0: Thank you, and once again, good day to students and teachers of the Word of God. We hope that now for many uh, months and getting into a period of two years now, you've enjoyed these broadcasts from the theological seminar of the air on the great doctrinal subjects of the Word of God. If you've been with our broadcast throughout the last two years, you've covered a multiple group of subjects and have covered every major doctrine in the Bible from, as they say down south, from generation to resolution. On these broadcasts you've heard some very hard material, very straight material and I'm sure some very offensive material. One must never forget the Bible is the offense of the cross. It pictures the Savior who offended this world of where it murdered him and the modern bunch of Christians who are getting by without offending the world in persecution are not genuine Christians. They're fakers. Uh, The idea being taught by the uh, passive American Christians who are about to go into the communist world government at Rome is that peace and love are the main things. Therefore, peace at any price and love at any price is Christian conduct. This is satanic foolishness. Now, the Lord Jesus Christ said, I come not to send a peace, but a sword. And you thin-skinned Christians who may have heard some of these broadcasts in the last two years may have been terribly offended by a lot of things we've said. And if so, we praise God for it. We hope you're worse offended than you've ever been before. We also hope that you'll stay offended and stay mad and stay upset, it'll be good for your blood pressure. Show me a little bit anemic anyway. Now we speak in this fashion, the modern thin-skinned pantywaist, the modern campfire girl or brownie type of Christian, is very upset and very disturbed about people's good being evil spoken of and the sound of speech, so forth and so on. The modern Christian has learned to talk and act like a politician, that is, be friends with everybody. And as a consequence, his knowledge of the Bible has sunk to the place where he can't even get truth out of a new translation. This is because the Bible is an offense to man. It is intended to be an offense to man. The day that righteousness and holiness become popular will be the day that God resigns his throne and turns it over to the devil. Such a day will never happen on this earth or any other place near this earth. True righteousness and holiness have never been popular with saved people or unsaved people. If they were, it would be denial of your basic nature. Your basic old nature, which you still have after you are saved, is subject to decay and death and the grave. It is enmity against God, it is not subject to the law of God, and it serves, according to Romans, the law of sin. Now we say this because our broadcast through a hundred broadcasts must have offended somebody. I would go one step further and say that if I have not made 500 enemies meet broadcasts, I will consider resigning my commission to preach the gospel. If there's any way to talk 30 minutes without making five enemies and tell the truth and all the truth and nothing but the truth in this godless, pagan, immoral, fornicating, adulterous America, If there's any way to tell the truth for 30 minutes, the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth about what the Bible says about man without creating five enemies in 30 minutes, if there's any way to do that, it certainly isn't the biblical way or the Christian way. I trust I've made from these broadcasts in your particular area by now at least 500 good solid enemies. I hope that at least 400 of them are saved people. You said you really hope that? Yes, I certainly do. If I have made five hundred good, solid, sound, lifelong enemies from these broadcasts, I will consider my commission to preach has not been fulfilled, and I am a traitor to the cause as Ahithophel, or Absalom, or Judas Iscariot. Any time a preacher can preach for thirty minutes from the Bible, teaching what the Bible says about subjects for thirty minutes, without making five enemies... That preacher or his congregation are lost, or that preacher and his congregation are in fellowship with the world. Let's bring us to our lesson today, heaven, of which we were told in the New Testament to set your affections on things above and not on things on this earth. If there's one thing that marks the worldly Christian today, it's the fact that New Jerusalem is not real to them. Very often his affections, instead of being set upon New Jerusalem and Heaven, are set upon soul winning, as a second best. Or set upon his ministry, as a third best. Or set upon his getting along with his fellow man, as a fourth best. All directly denying the order to set your affections on things above, and not on things on this earth. After all, the first commandment was not to get along with your fellow man. The first commandment was not to water down the adulterate and leaven the word of God so you get your denomination back in the Roman communist church of Europe that will take over the United States in the next ten years. That wasn't the command. The first commandment had nothing to do with getting along with anybody. So if your main purpose in life is to get along with people, you're a bachelor and rascal, so you go lost. The first command is to love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And this includes setting your affections on things above, because that's where His city is, and that's where His throne is. A man has said, The Buddhists talk a lot about hell because they're going there. We talk a lot about heaven because we're going there. This was from a converted Chinaman named Carpenter Kao of Paimosi in West China, and of course when he said we talk a lot about heaven, he was only referring to Chinese Christians. American Christians say very little about it. Glad his favorite subject in to preach on was heaven. He used to begin the sermon by saying we're nearer heaven tonight than we ever have been before in our lives. They tell a story that a man kept shouting Amen during the sermon. A visiting preacher was coming and someone offered him a pair of boots if he keep quiet during the sermon. The shouter accepted the proposal. The preacher spoke in heaven and all its wonders, and finally the man unable to contain himself got up and yelled, Boots or no boots, I must shout amen. You don't hear many amen shouted in Pensacola, do you? You don't hear many of them even said, do you? You know why the Christians in Pensacola, Florida, have lost their shout? Heaven is no more real to them than the backside of Venus. That's why. Do you know what's real to the Christians in Pensacola and Amarilla. Do you know what's real to the Christians in Fort Worth and Memphis and Dallas and Jacksonville? Do you know what's real to the Christians in Seattle and Spokane and Las Vegas and San Diego and Los Angeles? Well, that's easy. Their income and their families. Now heaven, as we know it, that is, New Jerusalem, was created by God. New Jerusalem is a city that hath a builder and foundations that will abide forever. Our future state is said to be, quote, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. Therefore, New Jerusalem is a prepared place for a prepared people. In John 14, 2, Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And he said, if it weren't so and your leading educator and scientists don't believe it is so, he said, I would have told you. Now, New Jerusalem is the home of the Lord God. The disciples were taught before Calvary to pray, Our Father, which art in heaven. Second Corinthians chapter 12, two, speaks of a man caught up to the third heaven. The first heaven, of course, is where the birds fly, such as in Acts chapter 1. The second heaven is where the sputniks go, up in the solar system. The third heaven is the throne or the home of the Lord God. We talk about going home to heaven, we're never talking about wasting time with the solar system. When we talk about going to heaven, we're never talking about messing around out there the universe below Alpha Draconis. We're talking about a place a saved child of God goes to that's real, that can be located where our affections are to be placed, or as Christ used to say, Lay up your treasures in heaven, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The nonsense uh, propagated by some apostate heretics today from California, to the effect the Christian doesn't go to heaven, is nonsense. Christ said, lay up treasures in heaven. Is that clear? Heaven is called New Jerusalem in Revelation chapter 21 and chapter 22. It is the Father's house in John fourteen-two. It is a place of rest, in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9. And it is called paradise. Second Corinthians twelve four. I knew such a man caught up in the paradise. It is likened to a garden and a barn where wheat is kept. Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. Our heaven is like a building. Second Corinthians 5, 1. And it is not man-made. Second Corinthians 5, 1. It is built by God. In the first place, heaven itself is immeasurable. Jeremiah 31, 37. In the second place, the present heaven, the solar system, will pass away and be replaced by a new one. The new Jerusalem is the final home of the child of God. It is equal length, width, and height. That is 12,000 furloughs. Someone figured the cubicle contents at being capable of holding 49 pentillion people. That is 000 000 000, 000, 000, 000, zero 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 people. This doesn't allow space for trees in the river of life. But figuring the thing on down, if you figure down the 49 billion people, say, between Pentecost and the rapture, you're going to have a situation in New Jerusalem where every child of God, and 49 billion is quite an estimate, that is ten times as many people as there are in the world right now, every child of God would have five mansions ten feet square out of solid gold. Such a city, a place down on the earth, would cover the surface of this earth through something like 1,200 square miles. Such a city as described for the child of God set down in America would cover everything from Buffalo and Detroit to Denver, Colorado, down to Miami, if placed down. Heaven is for people heaven per se. New Jerusalem is for people who have been saved between Pentecost, and the rapture, for it is said to be the bride, the lamb's wife. It's in a high and holy place, for Isaiah 57:15 says the Lord God dwells in a high and holy place. It's a holy place because Psalm 26 calls it a holy heaven. It's a happy place, for the Bible says God shall wipe away all tears. Heaven for the child of God is a place without death, tears, sorrow, crying, or pain. Revelation twenty one four. It is a place where there's no night nor darkness. Revelation twenty two verse three to five. The new Jerusalem is a place without hunger, thirst, or excessive heat. The Bible says in Revelation seven sixteen they shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more, neither shall the sun light on them, nor any heat. The inhabitants of heaven, first of all, will speak negatively. The devil will not be there. Revelation twenty verse ten. Thieves will not enter there, Luke twelve thirty three. Revelation twenty one eight says the fearful, those afraid to trust Christ, the unbelieving, those who take their religion instead of Christ, and the abominable murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars will never get in the new Jerusalem. They're in the lake of fire. The fruits of the flesh will never enter heaven's perfection, Galatians five, nineteen and twenty one. And this, of course, has led many of the charismatic wholeness people to teach the false and blasphemous doctrine that since no sin will enter into heaven, that a man has to be sinless to get there. This is a half-truth. The sinless man that's going to get us there is the Lord Jesus Christ. And the sinless born-again nature of the believer does not sin. He cannot sin because he's born of God. However, to say that if the believer sins, he loses heaven, is nonsense. For the fruits of the flesh, given in Galatians 5:19 and 21, are the same sins committed in the life of the Christian that are committed in the lives of unsaved people in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Now, this brings up the great doctrinal truth of the two natures and the difference between the liar per se and the Christian who lies or the murder per se, and the Christian who murders. One must never forget that David lied and murdered, and he's in glory right now. One of these charismatic clap traps said to me one time, well, what if he hadn't confessed his sin? Well, I suppose he'd have wound up where Lot wound up. Lot and Samson never did confess their sins. They're both in heaven. You say, how do you know that? Because the New Testament says they are. Second Peter chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 11. Nothing like scriptural truth to straighten up some of you heretics. David is called one of the heroes of the faith in Hebrews 11. Lot is called a just and righteous man in Second Peter chapter 2. Now, the unsaved elder who is trying to get to heaven by his works can never tolerate what we call sound doctrine. And the reason why pagan people from North Africa, who control Europe and the United Nations and most of South America, try to get to heaven by James 2 instead of Romans 5, is because they're counting on their works to save them. These poor benighted people, misled by unsaved priests and elders, have the silly idea that if they are sinless they get to heaven but they're still too good to go to hell, so they invent a third place to go to. The Campbellite solution is just about as bad. You have to be perfect to get there, but nobody is perfect, so you might make it if you're reasonably perfect, but you can't be sure you're reasonably perfect until you're dead. Now, this is the blasphemous tomfoolery that goes on all over Europe and America by unsaved religious people leading people to hell by pretending their work can save them. They forgot. That a child of God is a child of God when he commits sin. If all liars go in the lake of fire, and they do, Revelation 21:8. Then every man, woman, and child on the face of this earth of any kind of age goes to the lake of fire. Is that clear? Don't tell me you haven't lied once in the last year, you old liar. You ought to be ashamed of yourself. Who are you trying to kid? Your grandmother? There's no lawyer or judge I'm talking to right this minute that hasn't told a lie in the last year. Don't you walk me. You pull that stuff off on your preacher, okay? Don't you kid some of us old dogs that came in out of 27 years of sin as bartenders, dance band drummers, lifeguards, D.I.s and infantry, cartoonists for newspapers. Don't kid us, boy. You go kid grandma, Okay. If all liars shall have their part, in the lake which would burn up with and brimstone, there isn't a banker, umpire, fisherman, hunter, listening to my voice to will ever get to heaven. Don't kid me, you stuffed shirt. The very idea. <laughs> Putting on airs like that. Swelling up and saying, I don't like the way he talks. While you old cook get down to a mourner's bench. There's the man I'm talking to that hasn't lied by action or thought or word or deed at least twice in the last year. Then how do they get to heaven? If all liars shall have their part, the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, why it's very simple. They get to heaven by the merits of a sinless man who never told a lie a day in his life. And this points out the difference between sound Bible doctrine and Laodicean heresy. The Christian may lie, he may commit adultery or fornication, so he's warned not to in Galatians 5. He is told that his flesh can produce these fruits in Galatians 5, and these 17 fruits of his unregenerate nature he is warned against. But the Christian per se is not a whoremonger, or a sorcerer, or a liar, as Revelation 21.8, for he has been cut loose from the body of the sins of his flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Colossians 2. The liar, adulterer, murderer, drunkard, whoremonger per se is the man who is still in his flesh, joined to his flesh, so when he commits his sins, they are his, he is part of them, they are part of him, and he is not said to lie, he is said to be a liar. There we have the doctrinal teaching on committing sin and being a sinner. A Christian is a saved sinner who can commit sins as part of his old nature. But he himself is a saint. He is a child of God and cannot fall into the classification given in Revelation 21, verse 8. Don't forget that. Mark that down. Memorize it. Learn it. Live by it. Die by it. And if your religious leader doesn't believe that, tell him to go take a fly and jump at Mars. Now, positively, the inhabitants of heaven are, first of all, the Trinity, which is obvious. God the Father lives there. Jesus went there after his ascension, Acts 3.21. Angels and myriads of created beings are there, Matthew 18.10. Enoch and Elijah were translated. They were up there, Genesis 5.24, Matthew 17.3. Moses is up there right now, Deuteronomy chapter 34. All those who died since Pentecost trusting Jesus are there. First Thessalonians 4.14 Heaven, therefore, is a place where the inhabitants are confirmed in absolute sinless holiness, and their resurrection beings who come up in First Thessalonians 4.14 at the rapture are made like the angel of God, 33-year-old male sinless beings. Heaven, then, is a perfect place. It is a place of perfect satisfaction. Revelation 22, 1-2 A picture of perfect, leisurely comfort, no work, no sweat, no taxes, perfect satisfaction, no temptations to sin, no devils, no unclean spirits. It's a place of perfect provision. Revelation 22, 2. Everything good gloriously provided. You can't get hungry. You can't get thirsty. When Christ rose from the dead, he didn't eat and drink because he had to eat and drink. He didn't take the brawl fish and the honeycomb to sustain his nature. He had a divine resurrection nature, a glorified body. He ate to prove that a glorified body can eat. Now there's a nugget you didn't get from the Weiss original Greek New Testament, isn't it? There's a nugget that the Spirit of couldn't pull out of the Greek text, isn't it? Isn't it amazing how much new revelation that so you can get from the King James Bible you can't get from Greek manuscripts and Greek texts. It's amazing, isn't it? Heaven is a place of perfect sinlessness. Revelation 22.3 No more curse. The curse will move forever from man. Can you imagine the sheer joy of being in a body that never will wear out? Hair that doesn't come out. Teeth <laughs> that don't come out. Eyes that don't need glasses. Eustachian tubes and sinuses that don't need medicine. Can you imagine living forever and ever in a place where you never get weary and never get tired and never have to worry about varicose veins, no kidney trouble, no liver trouble, no diabetes, no leukemia, no branch disease, no Hodgkin's disease, no dumb, stupid, animalistic, half-educated humanitarian scientist charging you $100 a day to work on you with something that can't fix you? these silly communists, nuts going down this country, these silly international socialists, the most superstitious, narrow-minded bigots in this world, talking about we don't want pie in the sky by and by, we want to make the earth a better place for man to live on. Do you realize how many people those people have killed trying to make this earth a better place for them to live on? Tell me something. What is the point of making the world a better place to live on when you're going to take two million people off of it? Don't you know we've got some winners in the common turn? Why, some of you silly, deluded, communists, intersectional, socialists out there, you haven't got the sense God gave a brass monkey. Communism has never been a workers' movement. It's a student movement. Who doesn't know that? Who doesn't know that Karl Marx was a student who aspired to get a Ph. Degree and wrote articles for a newspaper to get it? Now, who didn't know that? Communism has never been a workers' movement. It's a student movement at colleges, and it's promoted by the news media. Who didn't know that? Who didn't know that Mao Zedong's press prepared the people to kill two million of their own population before they brought them into the people's court? Who didn't know that for some of you dumb college graduates, huh? Make the world a better place to live in? What, you mean you want your pie now? Well, tell us something, some of you bright-eyed little boys and girls. How do you explain the fact that Bloody Mary, Charlemagne, Alexander the Great, Napoleon, Mao Zedong, Tully, Wallenstein, and Adolf Hitler all said just exactly what you say? Do you reckon you're any cleaner than they are? There isn't one world-famous murderer who killed a million to ten million people who didn't have a good alibi for doing it. Don't you know that? Haven't you had enough psychology to psychiatry in your college education over human nature doesn't ever change? While there is one professional killer like Lenin or Mao tongue, who ever lived that wasn't trying to make the world a better place to live on. What would give you the wild idea that Hitler's motive was bad? Where did you get that stuff from? Why, Hitler had a concordant with the Pope when he got rid of two million Jews. Signed. It's amazing what some of you folks can learn in four years of college and come out knowing nothing about. You better take your pie in the sky by and by, because, honey, you sure ain't going to get it here. The future for you left-wing college liberals is a concentration camp. Don't you know that? When the common turn in the Soviet-Roman-Communist-Vatican-Moscow axis gets through with you, son, you ain't going to revolt against in the establishment. The establishment's going to have you in jail. You better take your pie in the sky while you can get it. Heaven is a place of perfect government. It is ruled by God, the just one, the holy one. Revelation 22.3 It's a place of perfect service. How would you like to serve God forever, the best employer that ever lived with the highest wages and the best retirement plan you ever saw? Somebody said to a Christian, You're crazy. <laughs> and the Christian said, I may be, but I got the best asylum down the road you ever saw. New Jerusalem is a place of perfect communion. Revelation twenty two, four says, We'll see his face. Isn't that wonderful? Right, no man can look on his face. Right now no man can look on his face and live. If you can't stand to look at part of God's creation, the Son, how could you look at God? Some of you silly international socialists, honest to goodness, you ain't got a lick of sense. You go around to the Bible, you know God isn't there because you can't see Him. Show Him to us. Why, if I showed you His creation, you couldn't look at it. How would you be able to look upon Him? New Jerusalem was a place of perfect possession. We we'll belong to God only. The Bible said His name should be on our foreheads, no divided loyally he will be ours and we will be his it's a place of perfect glory no artificial light revelation 22 5 a place where sinless perfect beings reign forever and ever and ever in perfect joy perfect peace perfect happiness never tempted to think wrong again never tempted to act wrong again, never tempted to speak wrong again, a place where the child of God can do, say, and think anything he wants to 24 hours a day and never even have to check it to see if it's right because it'll be right. Don't you want to go to heaven when you die? Have you prepared? New Jerusalem is the Lamb's wife, a prepared place for a prepared people. Aren't you tired but haven't you had enough? Wild enough when I was 27 years old. I've been saved now for 29 years, and as God is my witness, I haven't changed my opinion about this earth in those 29 years. I didn't know the answers back in those days, and of course the answer is the Lord Jesus Christ. But I knew the problem. I knew that art, music, men, women, travel, fame, fortune, money, experience, philosophy, and the science could not settle the unquenched and unfulfilled longing in the heart of the sinner. And I find my heart's delight, the heart's fulfillment, the heart's satisfaction when one day as a sinner I came to Jesus Christ and trusted his blood atonement and trusted his righteousness to get me to my eternal home, a home where there's no pain, nor death, nor sorrow, for God shall wipe away all tears up from their eyes. May that be your glorious destiny by the grace of God, is my prayer. May the Lord bless you and good day.